All right. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, just hold on to them and keep them there. We're going to be going back to where we were this morning. Amen. And we've been talking about... Uh, We've been talking about the past uh, a couple of services. We had kind of a, a, a testimony-type service here uh, two services ago where we were talking about change that makes a difference. And, you know, it's, it's, church absolutely should bring change in your life. We know that. But it's not enough to just bring change in your life. Good job, buddy. Not enough to bring change into your life. Amen. But but it needs to bring change that makes a difference. And not just a difference, but a positive difference. Amen. So we are not we are not just here to say that we're part of a church or part of a, a this or that. Amen. We are here for a life change. And if you think for one minute that you're just going to come to the house of God and make a couple of changes and everything's going to be all right and that uh, and that you're good to go, oh, no, no, no. You need to clearly understand something tonight. Amen. This is a... We're serving a living God. We're following a living Word. Amen. And this is a living walk. Amen. The Bible says that he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. There's a reason why it's called enduring unto the end, because this is a fight. Paul said, he didn't say, I've waltzed a good waltz, I've danced a good dance. He said, I have fought a good fight. You need to understand something, church. This ain't no walk. This is a battle you're in right here. And you're, you're, the biggest enemy is not the devil, folks. The biggest enemy is the man or woman in the mirror. That's your biggest enemy. The devil gets a bad rap sometimes because it's our willfulness to follow after the flesh instead of the spirit that keeps us down and out sometimes. So, so we're talking today, as we were talking this morning, about not only change that makes a difference, but how bad do you want it? you got to want this change or it'll never take. you got to want what we have. You've got to want what we're after. You cannot just nonchalantly pursue this with a lackadaisical attitude or kind of half-heartedly pursue this. You'll never, first of all, you'll never find it. You need to understand something in the Word of God. The Word of God uses specific language because God intended it that way. The Bible says, Broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because. There's a big word right there. Because. They go in there at because. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leadeth unto light. And Few there be that find it, that find it. The Bible says, and I will give to them the hidden riches in secret places. You need to understand, praise God, the Bible says, you shall search for me and find me when ye shall search for me with 
all of your heart. What is your heart? Here it is right here. This is what the Bible means when it's talking about the heart of man. This is the heart of man. It's the operational system of man right here. This is what this is what will make you or break you right here. So unless you're searching for him with all of your heart, you ain't going to find him. You're not going to be searching for God with one hand while you're thumbing through the phone book or thumbing through the computer with the other hand. You're not going to find Jesus when you... <clears throat> When you're trying to talk to Jesus out of this side of your mouth and smooching on the devil out of this side of your mouth, it ain't going to work. Now, let's, let's look at some Bible for that. God would rather you be an atheist than playing church. People don't understand that. You think you're doing good by going to church every now and then. You think you're doing good by going to church whenever you ain't got something else going on. But God said, I would that you were cold or hot. That means he would rather you be stone dead cold, which is like an atheist. They don't want nothing to do with God. They will on their deathbed. Most every atheist, when they get close to death, they want to find Jesus. They just like to have them an excuse in their pocket all the time they're alive so that they don't have to do anything or lined up with the Word. But then when it gets close to their deathbed, it happens the same kind of thing. It happened with Darwin. Darwin backed up on that theory on his deathbed. He's the one that had the theory about how you ever seen the, the Jesus fish with feet on it on the back of people's truck. And it says Darwin in the middle of it. He's the one that come up with the we came from fish theory. So they got a fish with a little feet on it. It tried to disprove Jesus. But on his deathbed, he said, well, maybe I was wrong. Yeah, well, it's a little late for that now, Darwin, since you've got millions of people that followed behind you hook, line, and sinker. <sighs> He's met the real Jesus now. You can be assured of that. Now, so Jesus said, I would that you were cold or hot, but because ye are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And so God is saying, don't be playing. Don't be playing. That's in Revelations chapter 3. And the Lord is saying, hey, I'd rather you just quit. I'd rather you just quit than to play. Why? I think that's pretty good of God myself. I think that's real good of God. Because if I'm not going to make it, I'm going to the bar. If I ain't going to make it, I'm going hunting, buddy. If I'm not going to make it, I'm going fishing. That's what he means. I wouldn't do that. Because I'd rather live this life and go to hell than to go back to what I used to live. I'd rather live this life and not make it. But that's what he's telling the world. I'd rather you just quit and go and do what you really want to do. Instead of thinking you're coming in here and fooling yourself, playing, playing church, and you're fooling yourself. 
You're not doing nothing. You're just fooling yourself. So how bad do you want it? How bad do you want this change? We talked earlier We talked earlier about the changes that have taken place in our lives. Has the church you're in, for those of you that are listening outside of this room or outside of this, this church, is the church you're in made a difference in your life? Has the church you're in caused you to get closer to God? Do you know more Bible? And I don't mean, I don't mean hear some Bible. I mean, do you, are you being taught the Bible? Are you learning Scripture, not just to repeat it, but learning what it means? Are you being trained up? To be a leader? Are you being trained up to teach others? Do you know what you've learned well enough to teach it to somebody else just like you? And is everything you learned from the 1611 King James Version Bible? Because if it's not, what you have is garbage and the closest trash can is too far away. Because if it ain't the King James Version Bible, it's no different than a Koran or anything else. It's all garbage. There ain't no power in it. There ain't no power in that stuff. Here's the power right here. This is a 1611 King James Version Bible right here. And any man of God that's got any power with him, any man of God that's performing miracles or anything like that, I guarantee you he's got one of these. And he don't use nothing but this. Because to use anything but that is leaven in your lump. And leaven in your lump takes the power away. We talked this morning about the woman, at the, uh, the woman that had the issue of blood. Let's get some scriptures tonight. Brother Edward, Genesis chapter 32, 24 through 28. Sister Hoffman, give me 2 Corinthians 11. 22 through 28. Brother Jay, give me Romans 12, 6 through 8. Go ahead when you get it, brother. Mm-hmm. Praise God. See what happened right there? Jacob saw that blessing, and he wanted, he wanted that blessing. And he latched on to that blessing. He said, hey, uh-uh, turn me loose. No, I ain't turning you loose till you bless me. When's the last time you got a hold of God like that? When's the last time you grabbed a hold of God like that and said, I ain't turning you loose, Jesus? Let me go. No. No. Though you slay me, I'm going to serve you, God. I love you, Lord. Bless me. No, bless me, Lord. No, bless me, Lord. I ain't turning you loose, God. There's going to be times in your life God's going to try to shake your tree. He's going to try to shake you loose. 
Amen. And I can tell you straight up on these last days, if you can be shaken off, you're coming loose. If you can be shaken off in these last days, you're going to come off. Because if you can be shook off, you ain't worthy. If you can be shook loose from Jesus, you're not worthy to be with Him. If there's anything in this life that's more important to you than Jesus, son, daughter, husband, wife, whatever the situation, father, mother, you know what the Bible says? It said, you're not worthy of me. doesn't mean we're not to have a love for the people of our family and things like that. Of course, we love our children and our families and our mothers and fathers and all that. But if it comes to the place where you've got to draw a line and make a choice, there should be no choice. Amen. My choice is Jesus. I already made that choice. Amen. If there comes a, if there comes a little old cute, uh, a little old, uh, cutie pie down the road, and, hi there. Well, my goodness, a cowboy. Oh, my goodness. And then my eyes start batting and then my eyelashes fluttering and, you know, and, uh, oh, well, my goodness, <laughs> my, my. You know how they do nowadays. You know what? Uh, well, you know, I could take better care of you than your wife could. You know. Well, you know what? There ain't no choice to be made. After I get my boot back out of that head, <clears throat> I'm saying no. Ain't no choice to be made. Choose me. No. Ain't no. I already made my choice. Ain't no choice to be made. Yeah, I made my choice, man. I made my choice before I met that woman. I was in love with her before we even met. I knew somewhere down the road, hey, man, there was a dinosaur left. Praise God. There she was. I looked over and seen her, praise God. And I say dinosaur, buddy. What I'm talking about is a woman that still had the old values, man, that still believed in a man being a man and a woman being a woman, praise God. Not a woman going out and doing the career and having a woman, which I think having a man, which is not a man to me, that's staying home taking care of the kids while the wife's out making a living. That is an atrocity before God. And that's going to be a heavy price to pay right there, buddy. Woman was made for man, not man from the woman. The head of the woman is the man. You ain't going to change it no matter how much you try. So you may as well stop it and shut up. You can put your husband in a dress and you can put your pants on and all that kind of stuff. You ain't never going to change the Word of God and you're going to stand before the same God I stand before and you're going to answer. The Word of God's very clear and you're going to answer for it. So if I was you, I'd put all that rebellious nature down and all that stubbornness down and get a hold of the Word of God. Follow the Word. Amen. So, <laughs> all right. So, who, who's, got, who's got that Scripture? Come on. Did everybody hear that? Did y'all catch all that? Now, I'm going to ask you a question again. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? You got a hangnail and couldn't get to the church? You didn't have a flat, but you had a dirty tire? And I couldn't drive it to the church because I couldn't keep up with the Joneses if I pulled my dirty car next to theirs? You hear all the time people talking about how they want what Paul had. Really now? Is that right? Oh, man. Whoo, yeah. Oh, Paul. Yeah, man. Brother Paul. Brother Paul. Oh, Brother Paul. You hear him talking about Brother Paul. Let me. Oh, yeah, I want to be like Paul. You know, I wish 
Brother Paul was here. Because you know the deal? Here's what would happen. Nothing. Nothing different than's happening right now. Just like Abraham told the rich man in hell, he said, the rich man that was in hell while Lazarus was being comforted in Abraham's bosom, the one that laid at his gate, he lifted his eyes up from hell and he said, send Lazarus back to warn my brothers. Let me tell you something, folks. That man wasn't worried about his reputation in hell. He wasn't worried about somebody knowing he was in hell. We preach everybody into heaven because we're scared to say hell, but the people in hell, buddy, wish that they could reach out and say, I'm in hell! I'm in hell! To say, don't come here! I was wrong! I was wrong! Jesus is the only way! Go to church right now! Never leave the church again as long as you live! Park in the parking lot! Sleep at the church! Pray fast, get rid of everything you got. Never do anything as long as you live but Jesus. I'm going to tell you people in hell were here right now. You know what they tell you? Sell everything you got. Right, give it away. Right, just leave it. Just leave it where it's at right now. Just walk away from it. Go to the closest truth preaching church. Make you a pilot at the altar. Never leave the altar as long as you live. But I got 60 years. You may have enough time to pray yourself ready to meet Jesus if you got 60 years. They wouldn't be trying to say, Oh, no, no, don't think that I'm in hell because I don't want you thinking bad about me. Man, they'd be sinning every kind of way they could to get a hold of you and say, Don't come here. The rich man said, Send Lazarus to warn my brothers so that they don't come to this place. You remember what Abraham told them? They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, but but they would believe if one come back from the dead. He said, if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe one though he come back from the dead. So it wouldn't be no different if Paul walked into this church tonight. There would be a few that would be just all a-fluttered. And then it would all be right back to normal. wouldn't be no different than what happened on 9-11. Everybody within 300 miles was in church that night. Parking lots were full. Every church, every church door was open. People, oh, God, oh, Lord. The next week, 20% of them were gone. The next week, 70% of them were gone. By the third week, every person around was gone. Well, not, not one church had an extra person in it no more. That's the kind of world we live in right there. That's the kind of country we're living in. It's sad. But you see how bad Paul wanted it? I want you to read that again, and I want to help you. Come on.
You know what he was saying? Doesn't matter what you are. I'm from that same group. You're a Hebrew. I'm a Hebrew. Uh, uh, what was else? A Hebrew and what were they what? Israelites. Well, you're an Israelite Hebrew. So am I. Seed of Abraham. Me too. Amen. He's saying, hey, I'm all those things too and I'm still doing this. Because they want to give you excuses why they can't follow what you're teaching. See? Come on. Are they ministers of Christ? Are they men? Well, I'm a minister of the Lord. What? He said, I speak as a fool. Come on. I am more. He said that he's speaking as a fool. What he said, he's speaking as a fool right there. Because he's saying, hey, I'm not trying to sound like I'm better than they are, but I'm more of a preacher than them. I preach to more people than they do. Come on. In late, now, here he's talking about like he's speaking as a fool, like he's boasting, but he's really not. He's just making a point that they're saying that this is they're doing this and doing this. He said, but me, I'm doing more than they are. Come on. Okay, now listen carefully. In stripes above measure. What stripes? Does that mean somebody painted some zebra stripes on him? Does that mean he got him a new zebra stripe coat and some zebra boots? Huh? Does that mean he broke out in some dark stripes in his silver hair? No, what's that mean? What stripes mean? He got a beating. But you know what? He didn't quit. Come on. Okay. Uh-uh, slow down. You're getting too fast. In prison, what? More frequent. But he didn't quit. Come on. In what? In deaths oft. Deaths Okay, okay, in death's oft, okay, but he didn't quit. Come on. How many stripes is that? 39. Five times of the Jews, he received 39 stripes. What a little spanking. Buddy, that's rip your shirt off and lay a beating on you, 39 lashes, five different times. From his own brothers, Israel, Israelites, okay? From the Jews, from the Israelites, okay? But he didn't quit. Come on. Thrice was he beaten with rods. Okay, hold on. But he didn't quit. Come on. Once he was stoned to death, but he didn't quit. Matter of fact, when he was stoned to death, they drug him out of the city and left him because he was dead. And the is all the rest of them come over to bury him. And he jumped up and said, "Let's go." <laughs> like, what? Yeah, let's go, man. Time to go. But man, you know, you just got stoned. Don't worry about it, man. Let's go. We got things to do. We got work to do. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want this walk? How bad do you want to get the word out? Why did Jesus choose Saul? There's why Jesus chose Saul. There's why Jesus chose Saul of Tarsus. That's why Paul was the greatest apostle to ever live. Why did Jesus choose you? Maybe there's something to you you don't know about yet. 
Do you think Jesus made a mistake when He chose Saul? Sound me like He had the right man, didn't He? Well, let me tell you, in the chair in front of you, there's a picture. Grab that picture, pallet, right there in front of you and look in it. You see there? There's a picture of one of the greatest apostles that ever lived right there on this earth, right there. Amen. This apostle is a soul-winning, devil-stomping, Bible-thumping, holy roller, praise God, that's going to win souls for Jesus and that ain't going to quit. Praise God, you can beat me. You can take my money. You can take my car. You can take my house. You can take my dignity. But you're never going to take the Word of God out of my heart and mind and out of my mouth. They tried to beat it out of him. They tried to drown it out of him. They tried. The devil tried to, to, to stone it out of him. I can tell you where Saul's at today. His name is Paul, the apostle. And I can tell you where Paul is today. Amen. And if you stick around long enough and follow what it is I teach, you're going to see him sooner than you think. Amen. I want to be there with them. Oh, there's no comparison to wanting to be there with my king. I do. But I want to be there with my brothers. I want to be there with the brothers that wrote that word under the direction of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that went and endured all they did so we could have the truth. Amen. And when men of God that started blazing trails for Jesus sold out for filthy lucre's sake in this land we live in today, now instead of having a smaller church and an effective church, you got these big multi-story buildings with the beautiful balconies, all the high-dollar sound systems and the bills that they couldn't pay if their congregation got up and left them. They'd be bankrupt tomorrow. I want to meet men that gave it all. I want to meet men that walked away from their life. Peter, the Bible says, forsook all. Peter, James, and John, all them, they, they just said, they left all and followed him. And then later Peter said, Lord, you know, we left everything. We gave it all and followed you. And the Lord said, what did the Lord tell him? He said, Verily I say unto you that no man that hath forsaken house or, or, or lands or, or, or parents or fathers or wife or son or daughter that will not receive a reward not only in the life to come but in this life as well. question is, how bad do you want it? See, God's going to turn it up. And that's what He's been doing. Haven't you noticed it? Haven't you noticed the trials being turned up? See, God gives you that rest 
See, this goes back to 11, 20, uh, Mark 11, 28 and 29. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's what I said, wasn't it? Oh, I'm sorry, Matthew 11, 28 29. So, so come, unto, uh, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In verse 28. And there's the rest he gives you. That's the immediate rest. Just like somebody taking a load out of your hands when you're carrying something too heavy. But then in verse 28, I mean verse 29, it says, Take my yoke upon you. In other words, work for me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. Never mistake that for being a pushover. Because the God I serve is absolutely not a pushover. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, honey, that's a consuming, that's a consuming fire. Amen. But in he ain't playing. He means business. And he's not your pal. He's not your buddy. He is God. Don't you never, ever forget it. Now, he said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. That rest is not sleepy time. That rest is that peace that surpasseth all understanding. That is the rest in the middle of the most unbelievable storms your mind can wrap around. Right in the midst of the storm, you can still reach in and say, God, while you're exploding and while the things are blowing up around you and while you're sitting there going, what, what my, God, God, you know, but the Lord say, I've got you. I've got you. I'm still here. I'm doing something here. I've got this. Be still. And know that I'm God. Just know that I'm God. God cannot deny Himself. His word will prevail. His word is coming. It's coming to every one of us. And His word will not stop for anybody or for anything. His word will prevail. But there's a peace that we can find in the midst of those storms with the word of God. Not the happy time scriptures. Not the little sweet powder puff, kissy, kissy, smoochy, smoochy, huggy, huggy, pet, pet scriptures. But the scriptures that say, look, remember the Word of God is not for the world. The Word of God is for the church. So the Word of God, when He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's not for the, that's not for the guy on the corner. That's not for the crackhead. That's not for the alcoholic. That's not for the whoremonger. That's not for the fornicator. That's not for the adulterer. That's not for the effeminate. That's not for the homosexual. That's not for the transvestites. That's not for the perverted 
wickedness of this world. That is for the people of God that are living for God with everything they've got toward God and committed to God in covenant with God, pressing in toward God, seeking Him, loving Him, keeping His commandments, doing what the Word of God said to do. That's when the Word of God is for them. And He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper because I'm in control. I've got this. I'm God. And there's nothing goes on without my say-so. I've got this. You're in my hand. And there's no devil in hell nor man that's ever been or ever will be can pluck you out of my hand. You talking about having some security being with Daddy. Yes, it is Father's Day. His name is Jesus. This is His day. Praise God. Hope you took care of your daddies in real life yesterday. You can spend the whole week with them. But don't you be giving Jesus' day to anyone but Jesus. Amen. So, Paul having gone through all those things, he held on. What did he say? What happened next? Yep. But he didn't quit. Yep. Never, never quit. That's right. Never quit. And beside those things that are without the church, the care of all the churches. He didn't have no time for no wife. He didn't have no time for no kids. He didn't have time for anything. And he had to endure this to do what he did. And we whine. We cry and moan and groan. Man, how bad do you want this? I'm going to tell you. You know what happened to Paul? Paul had a change in his life. He had a change of life. Where did that change of life take place? On the road to Damascus, let me tell you something. He had a change that made a difference. Did he not? I mean to tell you, it made a difference in millions of lives. Praise God. That's right. Who did Jesus call? He called the lazy, called the sleepy time. He called the slothful. Yeah. You know who he called? He called workers. He called laborers. He called people that were busy. Not one, not one disciple did he pick that was slothing, laying around. Not one of them was laid up watching Jeopardy. Not one of them was laid up watching Let's Make a Deal. Not one of them. Will of Fortune, 
Nope. Nope. They were watching Will of Torture. <laughs> yeah, they were living it. I'm going to tell you, it was a tough road to hoe for them folks. That's who he called. He wanted energetic sponges that would listen, hear, and do something about it. He wanted people that he could teach, not people that thought they knew it all. And there's a bunch of that in the land today, I'll tell you. He wanted faithful, faithful men who were able not only to hear and learn, but to teach others. You know why he brought you here? Give me Second Timothy 2 and 2. What's it say? Let me ask you this. He said the same, and I've taught on this before. This is a very profound scripture, Second Timothy 2, 2. He said the same thing, the same word that you heard from me among many witnesses... And that's the same thing I can say to you tonight. This same word. And let me tell you, you've heard a lot of word in this church. This same word that you've heard of me among many witnesses. Listen, you've seen the healings take place in this church. You've been a part of the healings. You've been healed in this church. Amen. You know what's going on in this church. Praise God. So it's among many witnesses. It ain't like I told you this in secret. You're trying to guess for yourself, wonder if this is really real. You've seen it firsthand or you've experienced it firsthand. Praise God. You've heard this word that I teach among many witnesses. I've never asked you to take my word for anything in this church. You have always had a King James Bible in your hand. Not a New King James. Not an NIV. Not an ASB or whatever they are. No, no other Bible. You've always had a King James 1611 King James Version Bible in your hand in this church. I have made a point of it. Most of you have a Bible, praise God, that you got in this church. Because I make certain that you have a proper sword in this church. So that you're not taking anybody's word for it, but you see it with your own two eyes, what the Word of God says. So you're not guessing whether or not I'm telling you what the Word says. You see it for yourself. Those words that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who are able to teach others also. So I'm going to ask you this. How can you teach something to somebody else if you were not taught it yourself? 
When Paul said the same word that you have heard of me, he didn't mean hearing. The Bible says, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. What Paul meant by hear the word of God is exactly what it explains in his description. It says, hearing they hear not. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the ones that hear it and really hear it. Because what Paul meant by hear it was understood it. The same word that you have heard from me. See, you ain't just heard me preaching here. Because I don't do it. Matter of fact, I don't know how they do it. Because I can't do it. I cannot just... And and you have heard me explain certain things 14,000 times. And if you ever hear me talk about it again, you're going to hear it another time. Because even though every one of you in here may understand exactly what I'm talking about, there may be somebody on that camera that don't know exactly what things mean or whatever, and they may need to hear it. Or maybe you just were almost clear on it, but not 100%. And I want to make certain that I never just speak a word without giving the explanation of it. Because if it's not revealed to you, then the enemy cometh and taketh away that which was sown in their heart. In their heart. And you know what? I know what goes through your mind sometimes. Oh, my God. This is so repetitious. Wow. Okay, here we go with the seek ye first thing again. Man, here we go with the what is righteousness thing again. But let me tell you what. When you stand before somebody out there and they're and they're and, and, and they're asking questions, man, you're gonna be glad that I'm repetitious then. Because it's not man, you're gonna open that heart up and you're gonna look in there and it's gonna be engraved in your heart. You ain't going to have to look no further than your mind to find the Word of God because it's written there. And the Lord God said in that day, I will make with them a new covenant and I will put my laws in their heart. Praise God. Jesus sent me to put this stuff in you. Praise God. He didn't come for me to talk to you. He didn't come for me to just speak the Word of God to you. He came to me and said, teach my children. Teach them. My word, write it upon their heart. I am, I am the pen that he's using to write this in your mind. And I'm going to tell you, I know it's being written there. I know there's been a difference. I know you've seen a difference in this church and any other church you've ever been to in your life. There's no other church that you've ever been to that's like this church. That ain't tooting anybody's horn or bragging or anything like that. I praise God we're different. 
because I believe Jesus wants a different church. I believe there's a lot of churches that have thrown their sword down and run away from the truth. Whether it's a little or a lot. Whether they've dropped it a little or whether they've thrown it plumb out the window. Dropped it's dropped it, folks. A little leaven leaven at the whole lump. Did you know you can miss heaven by one inch or one billion miles? Missed it's missed it. I don't want to miss it. How about you, brother? How about you, sis? And for those of you that are watching tonight, I appreciate you being. I'm so glad you're with us tonight. And uh, I see we've been having some, I don't know how all that stuff works, but uh, but everybody tells me that uh, that we're having a, several folks that are, are watching us tonight. And I know a few of you tonight. Appreciate you. Lord bless you. and glad to have you. But I want to tell you, for those of you that are trying to maybe in the valley of indecision, I want to tell you tonight that, listen, this ain't no hard walk. The devil makes it sound like it's a tough walk, it's impossible, it's just tough, it's so hard, all you're going to have to do and all the rules and regulations. Man, when you go all in, you're going to find out real quick, man, this is the greatest thing ever happened in your life. The hardest part of it is, is getting in it and turning loose of that stuff because the devil's got you convinced that it's so difficult. Once you throw it down, man, it's like just it's just like taking a big burden off your shoulders. Praise God, next thing you know, man, you're free. Freed up to serve God. You're going to be so mad at that devil, you want to squash his head. You kept me from this all this time and all that lying smack you're talking. I could have done this ten years ago. Man, I'm going to tell you what. I ain't never laid a thing in my life down that I'm glad I, that, that, that I want to pick back up since I've been in this walk with God. Man, it's the greatest thing I ever did in my life. And if you don't have a church to go to that's preaching what I preach, and you want more of this, praise God, come on, be with us. We'd love to have you. Praise God, come right on in here and amen and uh, just, just look us up online or whatever. And, man, we'd love to have you. Praise God. <laughs> anyway, all right, so talking about change that makes a difference, that's what I want in my life. I want change that truly makes a difference and truly does something, truly has power to it. We are called to Him to go for Him. Praise God. All right, Brother uh, brother Jay, you had a scripture there. Give me that Romans. Uh, Romans, I think it was 12, 6 through 8. Come on with it. It's all right. Okay, stop right there. It says, or ministering, let us wait on our ministering. What does it mean, wait? That don't mean sit there and wait, not do nothing. It means get after it. Just like a waitress waits on you at a restaurant. So if a waitress comes to get something, gives you some coffee, it's what she done. She's waited on you. That don't mean she went over and sleep, had sleepy time. Waiting. The, the, the people say, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, there's a lot of times you need to be waiting on Jesus. Not, that don't mean just sitting there <clears throat> twiddling your thumb watching uh, watching Family Feud or something on the television. But get busy waiting on him. It says here uh, on ministry, waiting on your ministry. That means getting after it. Come on. He that teaches, wait on your teaching. Get after it. Start teaching. Amen. Come on. He that exhorteth, let him start exhor uh, exhorting people. 
Yes, amen. Praise God. Very good. Thank you, brother. Let me ask you something. If you want something, or if something's important to you, what is the measure of that want? How do you measure that want? What? You measure it by what you're willing to give up to get it. Or to keep it. Let me tell you one of the worst things I've ever seen in my time as a preacher is this eternal security garbage. Once saved, always saved nonsense. It's one of the most deadly messages that has ever come down the pike from Satan himself is the one that started that nonsense because he didn't rightly divide the word. He came with a few scriptures and tried to and, and, and put it in there and he did exactly what he wanted to do and people bit on it hook, line, and sinker because it's the flesh wants that. I've heard, you don't know how many people have told me, well, I don't have to worry about them because they were saved when they were 12. Really? What happened? You're not saved. If you're alive right now, you're not saved. None of you watching me by camera tonight are saved. You may be ready to meet Jesus right now. None of you in this building are saved. Because saved is past tense. Even when it talks about it in the Bible. They're not rightly dividing that, and I certainly can rightly divide it and show you that that's not what it's talking about. The Bible says that he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, Be ye not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if, everybody say if, you faint not. If you're still living and breathing, you haven't breathed your last breath, you cannot declare to me that you're saved because you're still in the war. As long as you're living and breathing, you're still in the war. And you're going to hell by default unless you do something to change that. Because Jesus didn't come and die at Calvary and save the world. He made a way whereby we could be saved. Amen. And praise God, you better be seeking out your way to that cross. And it better not be over no television. It better not be over just uh, 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 playing some lackadaisical game and, and throwing Jesus on the back burner. Honey, this is for all the marbles. There's only two places. One is heaven. One is hell. And I promise you, you're going to one of them. And if you ain't in church tonight, honey, you better take a real close look at it because 99.9% .9 chance is you're heading for hell like a freight train. This ain't no cakewalk and this ain't no easy thing. It's going to take all you got. Just got through with a message recently talking about serving God. It's going to cost you everything. You got to go all in. Jesus did. Didn't he say, 
We're to take up our cross and follow him. Follow him where? Oh, to Walmart. I'm just going to follow Jesus. I'm following him to heaven. What you going to need that cross for? You ain't going to need that cross in heaven. I'm just going to take one to put in front of my message to remind me how good Jesus is. He don't want your nasty, stinking, old, used-up cross in heaven. You can leave that nasty death tree down here when you make it up there. But I guarantee you it's going to be plenty bloodstained when, when you get done with it down here. Because you're going to have to kill you every time you every time you even wake up. The first thing you're going to have to do is climb on that cross. <laughs> your biggest problem finding enough nails. And being man or woman enough to nail yourself to it. You need that cross down here just like he did. To kill this flesh. You're going to have to crucify this flesh. That's the land of indecision. That's the decision making place. What are you willing to give up? For this Jesus, he gave it all for you. You going to shortchange him? What are you willing to give up for this eternal life thing? What's it worth to you? How bad do you want heaven? Let me tell you something, folks. From what I can see, the major consensus in the land is that People that believe there's a heaven and hell really don't care much for heaven because especially if they see what you have to give up to make heaven, they don't want heaven. They just don't want to go to hell. They would really rather there not be a God at all so they could live any kind of way they want to. Now, this is the consensus of the land. They really would rather there not be a God. They could just live any kind of way they want to now, and then poof, it's over with. Nothingness. Ah. Peace from hell. And that's exactly what they want. They want to find peace in hell. Because they want to live like hell here. They want to live like they're heading straight for hell. But they want peace because of it. But heaven screams against that and commands that you come out from among that. That you cannot touch the unclean thing. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Come out from amongst the world and all that are in the world and all the things that are in the world and touch not any unclean thing. Touch not the unclean thing. What unclean thing? Adultery, effeminacy, homosexuality, corruption, lying, cheating, stealing, killing, uh, fornication, all kind of sexual sin. Anything that is unclean, touch it not and don't let it touch you. And then Jesus said, and I will receive you. That don't mean he's going to receive you into heaven. You've got a job to do. That just means he'll receive you into the church. Doesn't mean you, you're ready to go to heaven. 
you got a lot to do. you got a whole lot to do. That means He'll receive you. He'll allow you to come in and repent and be baptized and take on His name after you've repented and washed all that filthy, nasty wickedness off of you. Then you can get in the waters of baptism, amen, and you can die and be buried and rise up in newness of life, taking on His name, becoming the bride, the married wife of Jesus. You've taken on His name, and you're clean. You're a chaste virgin at that point. According to the Bible, I don't have time to go into all that tonight, but I'd be glad to give you it or one of the six or 800 messages, whatever we got in there, amen, to get you some messages. Amen. you got to want this. Love is measured by really by what you hold on to. See, your commitment to God is not measured by what you turn loose of. But He measures it by what you're not willing to turn loose of. He measures it not by what you're willing to do. But Jesus looks at your love for Him you know what he said in the letters of uh, Revelation, the seven letters of the churches? He said, yeah. He said, but uh, I know you did this, this, and that, and that, and this. But I still have somewhat against thee. Because you have left your first love. In other words, you lost your truly fiery love for me. You lost that zeal you had for me. You used to be in absolute spellbound with me. You used to just be in love with me, man. You would walk on water and swim through sand to get to me. Used to, man, you'd crawl on the burning hot desert, man, on your belly to get to me. Where did that go to? But you've lost all that now. Now, this was a man that was his... This is a man that uh, was his pastor. And he said, you know what he told him? Repent and do the first works. He said, you better stop and you better get back to where you used to be with me or else. That's Jesus. Or else. I will come to thee quickly and I will remove thy candlestick from out of its place. That's Jesus, you know, the one that walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Where's that at? Seven golden candlesticks are the pastors in the churches. The angels were the pastors. The seven golden candlesticks were the churches. And he said, I am the one that walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He walks in the midst of us. That's how I can feel him because he's in this place. When you hear me say, I feel that, Lord, praise God. Buddy, that's because the Lord just walked through me, praise God, and I felt Him, or He just touched me. I just pleased Him, and the Holy Ghost rushes through me at that time, and I feel that, praise God. Let me tell you, folks. Your love is measured with God by what you're not willing to do. That's what God's looking at. It's not the things you're willing to do, but it's those things that you're saying, yeah, I really don't want to do that, man. I just, mm, uh, I 
just don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. And God's saying, that's a shame because that's the very thing that's going to put you in hell. That's what God says. That's how God sees it. The value of something is measured by what you're willing to give for it. You know, you see auctions sometimes and you think, man, I ain't no way in the world I'd pay that for that. One man's trash, another man's treasure. And you know what? What a whole lot of this world calls trash, I absolutely call it a treasure. The Word of God is a treasure. Jesus is a treasure, and I love Him. And I found that goodly pearl, amen, and I sold all I had and bought into it. Praise God. Amen. I tell you what, uh, I found, I found that great treasure, and I sold all I had and bought it. Amen. I'm in. Praise God. There's sometimes you see things that ain't no way in the world you'd pay a price if they paid for that. But you know what? That's because it wasn't worth that to you. But evidently, to the one that bought it, it was worth that to them because they was willing to pay that price for it. Well, this that we have, you know why it's not worth that to them? See, it's worth it to you. It's worth it to me because we pay this price for it. We never miss church. We're always here. We have extremely long services. We have more Bible. We have enough Bible to choke a big mule. Amen. Every week. Amen. And, you know, we, uh, and uh, I hear a mule back there now. Oh, there. <laughs> amen. That was choking, a choking mule. Amen. But, <clears throat> amen. But, you see, to some folks, it ain't worth all that. But I'm going to tell you, if it's not worth that to them, they're not really believers. Because if you truly believe in hell, you truly believe hell is real, and you can even remotely wrap your mind around hell, um, you're going to... Uh, you're going to get into this. It'll be worth it to you then. How many times have you ever seen these videos or, or seen somebody that was scared straight? There's a message in there called scared straight. And let me tell you, folks, it's amazing what fear will do. It's amazing what fear will do. Fear brings a change that makes a difference. I want us to look at Scripture, and I'm getting ready to close here pretty quick. Acts 19, 13 through 20. Acts 19, 13 through 20. I want you to listen carefully. Now, I'm going to tell you, I used to be a big fan of going and getting anything that wasn't. I used to think, man, it would be a great thing to burn all these books. It's a bunch of nonsense and lies against God. And they're really a 
atrocity against humanity, crime against humanity, I think. But let's look here at uh, 19 and, <clears throat> and verse uh, 19, and let's go to verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them <clears throat> to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. <clears throat> now let me tell you something, folks. Notice here these were exorcists, and they had just about as much power over the devil as the common-day exorcists, which are Catholic priests, which have no power with God whatsoever. It's a lie from hell. There ain't a pope on this that's ever lived on this earth that's in heaven today. Every one of them's in hell. That's where all of them's going to be unless they repent and turn to the truth. However, certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. <laughs> And there were seven sons of Seba, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirits answered, the evil spirit answered and said. <laughs> Here's the first scary part. The devil talked back to him. There's your first, there's your first sign that you need to find you a door. And get through it as quick as you can. And the, <laughs> the devil, the, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Beat the clothes off of them, I'm talking about. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. Now listen carefully because we, we ain't to the meat of it yet. And here we go. And fear fell on them all. Why, yeah. One man full of the devil jumped on the sons of Seba, the high priest's sons, and ripped all their clothes out, throwed them out naked. He knew Jesus, and he knew Paul, but he didn't have no idea who these nutcases were coming, talking about they're the chief priests and all that. We adjure thee by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. Fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Now, church, what caused their change of heart? Let's look and see what their change of heart was. And many that believed came and confessed 
and showed their deeds. Let me tell you something. Don't tell me how you believe and you ain't in the house of God. You're lying to yourself. Don't tell me how you believe and you ain't good and getting up doing nothing about it. Honey, if you believe the Jesus that we serve and I'm preaching about is a consuming fire, unless you got a death wish, buddy, you're going to be doing something about it. And if you ain't in the house of God tonight, you ain't doing nothing about it. I encourage you to make a change. Many that believe came and confessed that they believed and showed their deeds. Listen carefully. Many of them also which used curious arts, which is witchcraft and all that kind of stuff and soothsaying and all that kind of stuff, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now I want to ask you a question tonight. What brought that change? You know what brought the change? Fear brought the change. What brought the fear? What brought that fear is exactly that. Because, let me tell you, if it goes back to the healings that take place in this church. There's more to this. God's really been laying this on my heart about this. There's more to this than me, Si. God's trying to do something with this healing stuff been going on in this church. The world needs to see it. Because it's not happening anywhere else. And the thing about it is... When they see that where they are is not what they thought it was. Because there's no power where they're at. And they see that where you're at, there is power. But it's much stricter. And it follows more closely. And it's all Bible, and there's no leaven, and there's a whole lot of church going on, and the God of this church is a consuming fire. If for nothing else, fear will move them. Because it was the fear that once they saw what they thought was all-powerful, in, in effect, had no power. And that the devil prevailed against those men who were supposed to be the men of God when they found that the enemy could prevail against them just like that. All of them at one time. Seven of them. Why, my goodness, Sister Sandra, fancy meeting you here. 
How many people prayed for you on that Sunday when you came from from uh, when you came all the way from Laporte, came up here, and all these preachers were supposed to get together and pray for you? Ten of them. Ten of them. How'd that work out for you? Just as sick as you was when you left, wasn't you? But I'm going to tell you, the devil knows me. He knows my name. I know him too. I know his name too. He didn't prevail. The devil didn't prevail against you that day. God prevailed against you the day you came to me. The devil didn't prevail against you the day you came to this church. Didn't take seven of me. It took one committed, lowly man of God that was committed to the Lord and His Word to lay His hands on you according to the Word and to heal your body because freely I have received and freely I gave to you. Didn't cost you anything. Didn't cost you no money. It did cost you, however, the rest of your life. And here you are today, eight years later. Still jumping and shouting and outrunning everybody in the building. Praise God. Amen. Still a danger on the platform to every preacher that ever came down the pipe. Got to watch that one right there, buddy. That's some danger on the platform right there. You think I ain't got one eye over on that side. I look like Marty Feldman up there at one eye. <laughs> I, got, got, I got one eye on her all the time, buddy. <laughs> hey man, it wasn't way back there. What are you talking about? It was last week? What are you talking about, man? What are you talking about, man? Last week. <laughs> Young whippersnappers. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Amen. So I want you to look at something right here that people miss. I've always been a big fan in my mind of taking every filthy, wicked thing in this nation and burning it, including false doctrine, false Bibles of every kind, burning it because that's what needs to happen to it. But I tell you what, the Lord showed me. He said, why? Why would you do that? Why would you go and buy a bunch of them to burn it? You're just paying them more money to you're paying them money to make more. And he said, secondly, it wouldn't do the first thing toward me. He said, because you burning them means nothing to me. You don't believe in the Koran, you don't believe in all them books, you don't believe in these wicked books and all that. So what good does it do for you to burn them? You don't have them in your house. You ain't carrying them in your car. You ain't following them. You ain't reading them. You ain't studying them. You ain't meditating on them. You're not praying to false gods. He said, you, you miss something in the Word. They, they brought their books. They burned them books. And it wouldn't have worked any other way. Because why? Why did they burn their books? Because 
they believed. They believed. And I can tell you something else they did. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. Praise God, because it goes hand in hand with the truth. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Bible said over in Mark 16, 15, Go ye therefore in all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. So, just a little side note on that uh, 